attention sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Two of the world's biggest polluters are in fact making the globe greener. In these images gathered by NASA, you can see an increase in foliage in China and in India. The greening effect is mainly due to ambitious tree planting in China and intensive farming in both countries. You know, a debate is a very carefully orchestrated thing. I go on Tucker Carlson, uh, I go on uh, uh, Fox and Friends. It can get uncomfortable because, as they say, you don't need to persuade your friends, you need to persuade people who disagree with you. So I, I would have made a different decision. I think it's important to get all the evidence before we make a decision. The president's obviously said he would be very disappointed if that's the direction North Korea were going in, but I don't want to get out in front of the facts we actually know at this point. And now, Stacey Washington. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing because that story about the greenhouse. Uh, welcome to the show. Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Great to have you with us for hour two. We're going to chat with Dr. Craig Albert, former president of the Georgia Political Science Association and graduate director of intelligence and security studies at Augusta University. We're going to talk foreign policy with him, specifically North Korea, and um, what impact national security discussions will have on the race in 2020. Uh, so the, the big kind of conversation here is, um, well, let's just run straight on down the line. Um, I just started talking about this, this greenhouse gas study. I posted the link on Facebook. Um, and it, it's like, I found it on this good news website. So India, uh, has planted all of these trees and China as well. They're, they planted these trees, not because they care about like, so just solely about the environment. Although they were told that their actions were, uh, destroying trees and they didn't have enough trees and they were like measuring per capita how many trees each country has and you know how many trees that each country should should plant and so India first was like oh wow so we don't have enough trees per capita and they had all these campaigns where they discussed building trees to improve their country and they just planted you know millions of trees literally and so did China and part of it has to do with them wanting to grow more of their own food, wanting to have more self-sufficiency. But the other part of it is they just wanted to have a better reputation on how many trees they had in their country. So they did this. Now, lower down in the article, if you keep scrolling down, it says, you know, something about how that it's not it's not enough. Um, it had enough hasn't been done. And I just counter that with, you know, human beings when when most people, most nations or I should say not most, but. A lot of nations, when they're informed that they have an issue and they feel like it's something manageable that they can actually make a dent in, that they could take care of, they'll tackle it. So America's not the only nation on the planet that when we find out something's going on that we don't like, we try to, you know, dive in. And so it's good news. And I hate the way people are acting. Well, it's not really having an impact on climate change. Well, I mean, it is and it isn't. First of all, if you believe in man-made global warming and the client science debacle, um, then you have bigger problems than I can address here on this show. I'm not, I'm not, here, to, I'm not here to address your issues. I'm just I'm putting on a, a program that's informative and, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. So that's not going to work. But what, what can happen is we can celebrate this development about the, the, the earth being greener, planting more trees, more trees on the planet than 20 years ago. China and India being the drivers behind that. Those are all great things to celebrate. So we also said we would discuss this uh, good guy with the gun story, Second Amendment update. So you've got this robbery attempt. So let me set it up for you. Um, 
It's in Everett. And this man, just two, two guys, they met at the South Everett Park and Ride. And they were meeting because one of them was going to sell the other one uh, an iPhone. So they get there. And I guess they come to an agreement. So they drive over to the BECU, a credit union. And the two men, um, you know, are, are basically trying to pull off this transaction. The intended buyer then pulls a fake gun and says, give me the phone. I'm not paying you for it. When the seller saw the fake gun, he pulls his own gun. Now, again, I'm calling it a fake gun because that's what we know now. But at the time, you've got the seller seeing the buyer with a gun in his hand and trying to stick him up. Now, if you're trained at all in firearms, you know that there's no guarantee that someone who's sticking you up with a firearm, once they get what they want from you, that they won't still shoot you. Once he sees the gun, he has every right to defend himself. He does not have to investigate and say, is that real? Do you have a permit for that? Did you buy that illegally off the street? He doesn't have to do anything at that point. All he has to do is defend himself. And so that's what he did. He uh, fired off a few rounds into the guy and put him in critical condition, called the police, and they showed up. Now, they have not decided whether they're going to arrest the shooter um, or charge him with anything. Investigators were collecting and reviewing evidence and, and reviewing surveillance footage from the story um, at the time that, they, that the reporters actually wrote the story. But um, there's been no additional information that's been made since Friday afternoon. And look, you know, criminals are going to play stupid games and win stupid prizes. And that's what happened here. I, I, you know, this is one of those ones where you have any regrets about what happened other than the guy who said he was there to buy an iPhone should have just pulled out some money instead of the gun. And this wouldn't be a news story for us to discuss. Good guy with the gun wins out. He didn't get shot. He didn't get hurt. He still has his iPhone. He can still sell it to somebody else. That's how that is. We're also going to talk this hour about a teen dad who sued a clinic that aborted his baby, a baby he wanted, but the mom went ahead and had an abortion and he's suing them. And the house AG chairman saying that requiring SNAP recipients to work is not going to happen. And, and before anybody gets their dander up and starts talking about how I'm always trying to make people work that don't you know, have the ability to work, the AG chairman and the Trump administration are trying to get people who are able-bodied, probably more able-bodied than me with all the stuff I got going on, they're walking around, they're talking, they're physically intact. They have no disabilities and they're still receiving food stamp benefits. You, you, you're probably thinking, well, they have kids. No, they don't. We're talking about able-bodied single adults who went onto the welfare system under President Obama because he was into that kind of stuff. And now President Trump is saying, look, you can get the welfare. You can get the food stamps, whatever. You just need to work. So you, that might be 20 hours a week. It might be job training for 20 hours a week. But you're going to do something before we hand you a check with your able-bodied single self. And the Democrats are saying, nah, mm -mm, we got to let these able-bodied single people get welfare. How can you stand behind that as a Christian? How can you stand behind that as an American? How can you stand behind that as someone who's funding it? Because if you work... That's your money those able-bodied adults are getting. That's just like me saying, you know what, this whole working for, th I, I don't want to work. I just want to go get me some welfare. But it doesn't apply to me because I'm not, I'm not single and I, don't, and I have kids. I have children. So we're talking about single able-bodied adults. So you have to, in order to, for this analogy to work, it has to be someone you know that's single and able-bodied suddenly saying, you know what, I would rather sit at home and play uh, 
What's that game? Fortnite. I'd rather sit at home and play Fortnite all day and collect a check and order pizzas with my food stamp card and, you know, eat lobster and drink beer and let you pay for it. Would you be down with that? How many single adults do you know that are sitting at home getting welfare checks? Probably none if you're listening to this show. You probably don't know a one. Well, they're out there and we need to put a stop to it. So, y'all, I did tweet out. Um, go on there and retweet if you're a Twitterer. Um, I tweeted out about how I would totally take over South America. Not because I have a thing about taking over countries, but because they need something. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm still dealing with this cold. So now I want to pivot over to uh, Senator Barrasso, who says that the chicken little, sky is falling approach of the Democrats is a problem. He doesn't want the Democrats to go down this road He's a Democrat himself. It's number five. We just cannot allow ourselves to follow this chicken little sky is falling um, approach of these socialist Democrats like Ocasio-Cortez uh, and the presidential candidates on the Democrat side of the aisle. We cannot follow them over the cliff that is going to hurt jobs, hurt people's ability to pay their mortgage, hurt our economy, hurt our nation in terms of national security. Some are very concerned with the position that the party has taken and the presidential candidates have, have taken. Uh, I think Nancy Pelosi is unnerved by this new group of Democrats. So he's talking about um, the chicken little skies falling approach. And he's specifically, without saying any names, referring to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez running around saying that everybody's going to die in 12 years. You know, anytime someone says everyone's going to die, that's when you... You should, okay, really, is everyone going to die? Would everyone mean all Americans or just everybody on the planet? Because I love the way the client Scientologists and the people who believe in clim climate change believe that things we do in America are the sole driver for the weather on the entire planet. Or they treat it as if it's just the weather in America that's so horrible. Like when we have a natural disaster, they'll say, well, that's due to climate change. Well, what about the natural disasters that are happening around the world? Are those our responsibility too? The frequency with which we have natural disasters is not a functionality of climate change. It's a function of, uh, you know, we're, we're either receiving from the hand of blessing or we have the hand of blessing and the anointing removed from us because we're a nation that is continually falling further and further away from God and operating in sin, condoning it, advocating for it, legislating it into reality, that kind of stuff. I mean, for people who think that is like a fairy tale, that's how we feel about your allegiance to the financial redistribution scheme that is climate change. Remember, y'all can't even figure out what you want to call it. So you just picked a generic term to call it. At least we Christians are still calling everything the same thing we've called it from day one. We're still referring to the same source book, the Bible, as we have from day one. We haven't changed anything. It's you guys who keep shifting the narrative and changing the terms and redefining words to try to make us believe that we're all going to die in 12 years. The Bible says no man knows the hour or the day. No man. That also includes us women. Nobody knows. So I know AOC is all the rage right now. She's totally in vogue. But that actress doesn't know anything about when this earth is going to quote unquote end. She doesn't even know anything. So then you have this Democrat, Himes who says the Democrats, the DNC specifically, made the wrong decision in excluding Fox News from the debates. 
Now, this goes back to a lot of wronghead decisions that we're seeing being made. Now, all the Democrats will go to Wisconsin during the 2020 election cycle. Um, that's something they're going to rectify that didn't happen during the 2016 election cycle and was part of the catalyst for President Trump winning that state and thereby winning the presidency. But they're saying now that they don't want Fox News to host a debate. Now, one of the points that's been made, I didn't clip the audio for this because I thought it was kind of crazy, but one of the points that's been made is that Democrats don't watch Fox News. Now, that's just not true. We know it's not true because you should see the way Democrats tweet about the things that happen on Fox News. Currently, there's some controversy with Tucker Carlson. I don't know what he said, you know, this most recent time. I I know it's probably something I agree with. I know what Janine Pirro said, which is actually not as bad as what I said last week about the lady who wears the, the headscarf. I call it the headscarf of oppression. Now, Jewish people who are liberals are all online saying, that Jewish women wear a head covering and Jewish men, you know, they wear the head covering as well, the little, the little yarmulke. I'm not talking about that. Judaism is not used to oppress millions of people. Judaism is not the source of terrorism. So there, there is, I hate it when people take something that is truly harmless and benign, like Jewish people as a part of their faith, wearing a head covering ceremonially or on a daily basis or whatever, and try to equate it to Sharia law, which is antithetical to the U.S. Constitution and Western ideals and values. And it is a sign that women are being subjugated and treated like property. And they try to make the two things the same thing. One of those things is evil and should never be permitted. And the other one is a part of a practicing faith tradition that is well-established in this country. There is no comity between the two. And I'm sick of this comparison. And the idea that Janine Pirro was wrong when she said, um, you know, that that Sharia law is represented by the headscarf. It's just not true. And so I don't agree with everything that Janine Pirro says, but I can tell you this. She's been on the program, full disclosure. She's not wrong here. And so the fact that Fox News wanted her to make an apology and then she had to make a statement you know, so be it. She has to satisfy her, her, her employer. But I said it, and I'm not taking it back. It's the symbol of female subjugation and oppression, that headscarf. And she shouldn't be allowed to wear it in Congress because she's an American citizen. I don't care how long she was a refugee. She has no right to try to change what we believe about women in this country through her extension of Islam. Now what? Let me get back with Dr. Craig Albert. In a move most Christians probably never expected to see, Walmart has created and is promoting a Facebook video ad that normalizes homosexual relationships, and they need to hear from you. The ad is part of a campaign released on Valentine's Day called Love is in the Isle, a dating show at Walmart. Episode two features Pat and Andy, two homosexual men on a blind date as they meet at the store and shop together and discover whether or not they're compatible. Please sign the American Family Association petition to Walmart asking them to remove this pro-homosexual video and remain neutral on controversial issues. It's clear that Walmart is on the path to elevating homosexual relationships to the same level as the male-female model of marriage. Sam Walton must be turning over in his grave. Let Walmart hear from their Christian customers. We'll present the petition at corporate headquarters March 20th. Please sign our Walmart petition today at afa.net. That's afa.net.
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Venezuela is in a total economic and humanitarian disaster. Inflation is rampant. The inflation rate has already exceeded 2 million percent. All supplies, including toilet paper, are in short supply. Medicine is unavailable in most of the country, and food shortages, along with a crumbling economy, have forced people to change their eating habits. All are losing weight and battling malnutrition in what has come to be known as the Maduro diet. President Nicolas Maduro is one of the reasons for the economic devastation, along with the previous policies of Hugo Chavez. If you needed an object lesson on why socialism is bad for a country and its people, you need look no further than Venezuela. The economic resources are there. The husband of one of my colleagues used to travel to Venezuela with the major oil companies, which brought prosperity to many in the country. But the Chavez government started taking majority stake in various oil projects, and oil companies from the U.S. and Europe left the country. Oil prices dropped, and today we have a crisis so bad that people are eating out of garbage cans and catching and eating zoo animals, dogs, cats, and birds. Trying to get humanitarian aid to the people is difficult. Maduro has blocked aid from crossing the border, arguing that it could be a potential Trojan horse that would lead to military intervention. Earlier this year, the leader of the legislature, Juan Guido, declared himself to be the acting president and has been backed by the Trump administration. Vice President Mike Pence declared to the people of Venezuela, We are with you, we stand with you, and we'll stay with you until democracy is restored. He's also called for leaders in other countries to join the U.S. He said there can be no bystanders in Venezuela's struggle for freedom. We need to pray for our leaders and pray for the people in Venezuela who are suffering through this crisis. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I just don't understand why. Uh, so apparently I, I said I didn't know what Tucker Carlson said. It's something he said like 12 years ago. He said something naughty. And so he issued a statement saying I'm on the TV every night for an hour. Uh, every day, five days a week. So if you want to come on and disagree with me, you can. Um, but in other words, something he said 12 years ago doesn't matter. I'm, I mean, sometimes it matters, sometimes it doesn't. I just don't care. Um, and I, I don't even care to look up what it was just because it just, it's crazy that comments that were just made, like Ilhan Omar made comments last week that were anti-Semitic. The week before she made comments, ever since she's been in D.C., she's been saying incendiary things about Jewish people, and she's still on the Foreign Affairs Committee, and she still hasn't resigned, and she's not been censured. Even the resolution that was supposed to be against what she said and call her on the carpet had her name stripped out of it and now refers to everything bad that anyone could ever say, which we were already against. Like we're totally against racism and um, all that other stuff anyway. We're against white supremacy. We're already against all that stuff. So we don't need a resolution from Congress to tell us we're against it. So she's claiming victory, and rightly so. She browbeated those she browbeat those those uh, liberals into submission, and now they're they're running around with their tail between their legs. Even Nancy Pelosi, who's supposed to be able to cut you and you not even know she was in your presence, according to her daughter, she even kowtowed, looked scared on TV when asked about it. Oh yeah, she's run up against that buzzsaw of identity politics that she created, and and it doesn't feel so hot. It, the cuts they actually hurt. 
All right, right now it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Craig Albert, former president of the Georgia Political Science Association, graduate director of intelligence and security studies at Augusta University. Woo! Dr. Albert, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me on. So let's talk about what's at stake with North Korea in 2019. First of all, the, the latest news is that post-summit with the president, they're actually rebuilding one of the nuclear test sites or missile test sites that they destroyed. They're rebuilding it, which means we could have missile tests incoming uh, whenever they complete the rebuilding of that site. That's right. They could completely reconfigure this site, rebuild it, and be able to launch within a couple of months here. Uh, I think that's natural for North Korea to try to do. They're going to try to push the president's hand here and force him to capitulate to what North Korea wants here. That's normal politics. Uh, my bet is that President Trump is not going to capitulate, and we're going to force North Korea back to the negotiating table to get what America needs in our self-interest there. So let's talk about a couple other stories, because these things are all kind of happening. They're separate, but they're happening together, in my mind, because they all relate to the topic. First of all, the announcement that South Korea would pay more for us to have our military bases there. I'm not opposed to that. Um, and then also that um, we're not having large-scale military exercises with South Korea, um, and that seems to be a kind of give to the North Korean regime to try to negotiate. And I'm not sure why we're giving him anything, because we haven't gotten much in return. Yeah, I'm not sure why we're giving much either. It, it's, a, it's a good faith strategy. We're going to do this in hopes that North Korea gives us something. So I think to, to test the resolve of North Korea to see what they would give up, you know, ceasing the military gains for a year or two was probably a smart decision by President Trump. But after they wouldn't give in to anything that we wanted at the last summit, I wouldn't, if, if I was negotiating right now, I would not discontinue military gains. Games. I would start a little or a few of them at least to show North Korea that we mean business, that we're not just going to give you everything like the past administrations have done. You have to give us something if you're going to ask us to stop these games here. So I, I think that might be a mistake by President Trump. But he also wants, this is a volatile region, right? This is probably one of the most dangerous regions in the world right now. So if we all of a sudden start war games again, that could signal unintentionally to North Korea that we're preparing for some type of war, which could cause them to launch a missile, to test it. It might land anywhere unintended, and that could accidentally cause some type of major crisis. So we have to be very cautious with this. Most wars, most major wars, cause, are caused by accidents, miscommunications, misperceptions. So playing it slow and, and, and keeping your gloves prepared is a way to handle this. And I think the president is doing a good job at that. So I, I kind of feel like, and obviously, so we never get to hear the meetings themselves. And when we get a readout of the meeting that the president has with any world leader, the readout basically says they sat and talked for 13 minutes and they discussed these topics. And so we never know whether it was contentious or whether there were arguments or, or if there were concessions made. It almost feels to me like just from observing on the outside from a very, very, you know, large distance that without the tests over the past 20 some odd months, that basically the North Korean leader said, you could not do war games since I haven't tested a missile in this many months. And the president said, OK, sure. But they couldn't come to a treaty because at this point, as you said, he, he Kim Jong-un and all of his family members that have been in power, they always play this game where they're good and well-behaved for a while, and then they go back to their original behavior. And it feels like the pendulum is swinging in the other direction away from the, the, this current posture, which has been no missile testing, you know, being friendly, behaving, meeting, et cetera, et cetera. 
I think that's that's right on the money. The other big part that I've read and uh, had access to a little bit is that North Korea, Kim Jong-un, had no idea that we knew about all his additional smaller nuclear facilities. And so President Trump came to the table and said, you need to close all of these. And Kim was absolutely dumbfounded. He had no idea our intel was that great. Uh, and so he, <laughs> he, he pushed back completely and said, no, 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 we don't have those sites. We're, we're not going to close that. We'll close these. And President Trump laid out the intel, the satellite images, and said, we know you have sites here. And that was the end of the meeting because Kim did not know how to come back from that. So wait, basically wait, wait. our intelligence, uh, from my understanding, human intelligence, uh, and who knows how that got there, but also satellite imaging and everything just, just forced Kim to realize that he could not negotiate. He had no cards you know, hiding left to hide. Oh, my gosh. That is so interesting. And that so, made him, you know, think about his paranoid regime. He's like, how did the Americans get this kind of information? So you can expect that he's going to retaliate. There might probably is some type of purges going on, going on inside the regime right now. You know, he has the tendency, as most authoritarian dictators do, to kill anybody that leaked information or allowed inf- any information to come into North Korea. So that's probably occurring right now. And it, it makes sense if you're an authoritarian leader to show some aggression after being humiliated like that. So he probably will launch uh, some type of missile, but don't be surprised if it doesn't work all the way, and that would not be an accident. I'm kind of flabbergasted that this guy, who he was educated abroad, apparently in Switzerland, that he doesn't know that we have satellites trained in on all of his entire country, and we know pretty much anytime they move anything bigger than a, a cardboard cereal box, we know about it. How does he not know that? Just How is he just now learning that we have that capability? This is the problem with authoritarian leaders. You surround yourself with people who are not going to give you information that could displease you because you're usually killed if you give information that displeases the authoritarian <laughs> leader. So everybody just says, no, 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 America can't do this, and they kind of lie to the leader, and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point. They can't give him the truth because then he'll retaliate against them. And so they just all cover up for, for what's really going on and don't tell him the truth, and this is the situation he led into. That's why authoritarian regimes always fall. They, they implode upon themselves because of this sense of distrust, miscommunication within the regime, and a, a, you know, an, a rationally aggressive leader that kills his own people. It's, it's going to fail eventually. So just so we're clear here, because I'm just like picturing Donald Trump. We've seen him in so many situations when he has the upper hand. And he actually, the thing about him and and Kim Jong-un is Donald Trump seemed to really want them, them to have a good working relationship. Like I felt like his overtures towards him have been so genuine and so truly friendly because he feels Kim Jong-un is really outside of the normal diplomatic processes. He's marginalized, but he does have some assets within his country that could be developed and made into you know, a a mechanism by which the country could come out of the dark ages and have electricity 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, the kind of stuff we take for granted here. Kim Jong-un could be credited with making those changes. And Donald Trump, from his personal life, is the kind of person who's made those kind of changes in New York, for example, changing the New New York skyline, that, that ice rink they have, Central Park, all the projects that he undertook and was given credit for until he became the president. Um, So he knows how that works, that kind of metamorphosis from one reputation to another through actual change that can be made that benefits people. But I just have to sit here and imagine for a second, Dr. Albert, 
they're sitting there and he's saying, yeah, we'll close these. And then President Trump presents all of these different like uh, these images. And we we see this here. We see that he had to have just been like completely like I, I can't imagine a situation in which he had anything to say back that was you know you don't have a comeback to that when someone completely outs you as negotiating in bad faith or lying or what have you. Absolutely. He completely got owned and he, there, he was <laughs> caught there. He knew there was nothing he can do. And this is why I think, you know, because unfortunately political scientists and of course politicians, you know, disparage President Trump because he's conservative and they, they allow that to, to, you know, create a lie over themselves where they can't see that he is a great negotiator. He, and he did want to help North Korean. And all he was asking for was complete denuclearization. If you give us the security, the security guarantee, we'll provide all the benefits that the West has. And that is a great negotiating strategy. And Kim wants this. He wants the economic uh, satisfaction that the West has. He wants the he, – he, he's not poor, by the way. A lot of Americans don't really understand this. He has all the fancy Gucci and Prada and cars that you know, just two, $300,000 vehicles. He likes capitalism. He likes the West. He loves America. He has the biggest collection of American-made movies in the history of the world. So he loves our culture. Uh, He wants this kind of stuff. He just doesn't want his people to have it until he feels secure and stable. And that's what he's trying to get out of Donald Trump is a guarantee that everything is going to go to him. But remember, I mean, to his people, if he denuclearizes, the biggest thing that he's afraid of, though, is that if he loses that nuclear option, his people will rise up and overthrow him. So this is what the, the big game, gambit is right now. And they, some political scientists take, for instance, uh, Qaddafi, that, that he got rid of his nuclear weapons, and there was an Arab Spring, and people overthrew him. I don't think that's the same case in North Korea. But one could surmise that Kim is thinking about this, that if he completely denuclearizes, he'll lose an option against his own people, against the military-industrial complex in his country, the Communist Party, and they will overthrow him because they won't be so fearful of what he could do. So that's something to consider as well. But who, I mean, who in their country, because I just, I have such a limited scope of, like my viewpoint for the North Koreans is such that it just, it seems as if because he kills off people who disagree with him, he kills off anyone who might be a threat to him. Any, anyone who might even be uh, even slightly able to fill his role, he would have already had them killed or executed. So who exactly would it be that would want to take over from him and be the new dictator? Cause it, it doesn't seem like they have the kind of training and education that would bring to power someone who wasn't just a copy of Kim Jong-un. Family members, uh, high-ranking military generals, uh, people that are dissatisfied with him and sense that he's weak. And so people, when he first uh, assumed power, thought he was weak. And so he automatically knew what to do and started killing people around him, started uh, posturing in the international affairs very aggressively to show people that he wasn't weak. He killed his own family members. He killed his brother-in-law. He's killed his uncles. uh, He's killed cousins. This is something that he does to show people he's powerful because he, he doesn't have the military stature that the bureaucrats in his military have. And so as those officials rise up, it's just like Stalin. Anytime somebody helped Stalin plan something, he would kill them after it was successful because he was afraid that they would challenge his power. So Kim is the precise same way. He's going to kill anybody that he thinks is a challenge to his power, including those individuals that are helping him negotiate or to appease the United States. Except his nuclear scientists, he's very nice to them, actually. 
Mm, well, I, I would imagine because as long as they're alive, he maintains the illusion or the actual ability to um, create these weapons that would, you know, increase his stature internationally. Um, so there's a story over at Bloomberg that shows that um, he's the satellite images show North Korea rebuilding the long range rocket site. And people are suggesting that this another test is imminent. But you said at the very beginning of our interview that you thought whatever rocket test there was, it would intentionally not be successful. So basically just a kind of show of power um, or a show of defiance without any actual real capability yet. So I'm sorry, I misspoke. What I meant to say is that I wouldn't expect it to succeed in that there are countries that are engaging in uh, operations to prevent a missile from being successfully launched. So right now there are several countries, we can't, we don't know precisely what they are, but we can assume the United States is leading this, that are uh, interfering with the cyber mechanics necessary for a successful launch. So mm. if the United States is uh, indeed engaging in cyber warfare, what we would call acts uh, or cyber attacks against North Korea, we would stop those missiles from successfully launching. I believe that's what happened with the failed missile test uh, a, a few years ago. They kept blowing up over the ocean. They kept blowing up right after takeoff, 30 seconds into it or so. And Kim did not understand what was going on. I think we had something to do with that. And we shouldn't think that cyber operations hasn't, haven't been going on between the two countries over the past two years. So we've been in his system searching for what he's been silently working on. So I would expect we know what type of missile is about to be launched and that we're inside that system waiting for it. Of course, we will never claim that it's us because that takes away the initiative, that takes away the surprise and what we have in his critical infrastructure system. And it gives him a reason to strike back. So we won't claim it. But I bet, I bet if it doesn't go well, uh, that's, that's the reason it doesn't go well. Which also explains the uh, North Korean hackers attacking uh, American systems. Like they, I think they were the ones who were behind the attacks on Sony that released the emails. Was the, is, is that the same? Yes. Same? Okay. Yes, absolutely. And then the next day, North Korea went black and nobody knows why. <laughs> so. Ah. <laughs> so I, okay, so... This is why we love having you on. Thank you for your time today, Dr. Craig Albert, uh, Graduate Director of Intelligence and Security Studies at Augusta University and great friend of the show, expert extraordinaire. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. All right. Talk to you again soon. We will be back with more after these brief messages. Stay right there. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. The people of Toledo, Ohio, have bestowed personhood rights on Lake Erie, while legal abortion continues to target and kill the city's unborn babies. Environmentalists petitioned for and won a special election to grant special rights to the lake due to pollutants. Activist Trisha Dell said, We believe the lake has the right to life just like people have the right to life, unless it's the human babies in the womb. Special rights for nature are dangerous. Environmentalists already say abortion is needed to protect the environment. It's not a big step from a so-called bill of rights for lakes, rivers, and parks to mandate limited births and forced abortion if the radical left declare humanity to be a blight on nature. 
A court challenge is in the works. Follow us on Twitter at Life Issues USA and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Mickey Addison. My challenge to you was to evangelize your children and to disciple your children and to give them the truth. Because if you don't do that, then we have a culture that's waiting in the wings to disciple your kids and to make converts. And so I really believe and I expect the Lord to really set some people free today. The Marriage, Family and Life Conference is coming June 20th through 22nd. Learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. Just as David's mighty man, Benaiah, chased down a lion into a pit on a snowy day. Lion chasers champions uncommon men and women of faith who are unafraid to stand up and speak truth to power in these dark and evil days. Never before has there been such a need for people of faith to draw a line in the sand with a sword of truth. Lion chasers, the intersection of faith and public policy with Lonnie Poindexter. Weekday mornings at 10 Central on Urban Family Talk. Media Minute with Howard Kurtz. Bill Shine, former co-president of Fox News, has abruptly resigned as President Trump's communication director and deputy chief of staff. He's the fifth communications chief to leave that post, going back to the Mooch and Sean Spicer. Now, there was some talk early that the New Yorker piece on Fox News, which rehashed the circumstances of Shine's ouster from the network where he spent most of his career, might have been a factor. I don't really think President Trump cares about what the New Yorker writes. There were other reports from White House correspondents that they hadn't been getting along recently that there have been disagreements over advice and that perhaps Shine in going to the campaign is seeking a, a, a kinder, gentler existence. The question really to be asked, though, is this. Does President Trump, who talks to journalists virtually every day, who likes to be his own press secretary, who follows his own media strategy on Twitter, really need a communications director? Does he need to hire anybody to replace Bill Shine or do the job himself? With your Media Minute, Howie Kurtz, Fox News. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I'm here for the men who actually want to have their baby. It's been nearly two years since Ryan Major's girlfriend aborted their baby. It was just like my whole world just fell apart. And today he lives with a constant reminder of what could have been. Right here in the first rows, I have a due date, and it's just when the baby was supposed to be born. Majors filed a lawsuit in Madison County Wednesday, suing Alabama Women's Center, their employees, and the pharmaceutical company who makes the medication used in an abortion. I believe that every child from conception is, is a baby and it deserves to live. I talked to Dalton Johnson, who owns the Alabama Women's Center. He wasn't aware the suit had been filed, but did offer some insight into abortion procedures. The suit says the baby was aborted at six weeks. Johnson said at that point in the pregnancy, a woman can choose how she wants to end the pregnancy, either by medication or surgery. I just tried to plea with her and plea with her and just talk to her about it and see what I could do. But in the end, there was nothing I could do to change her mind. And even though it's too late for Majors to stop his girlfriend's abortion, he said he wants to give a voice to other would-be dads who find themselves in the same spot. Even though there's nothing I can do for, for the situation that I was in, there is something I can do for the future situations for other people. And, and welcome back to the show. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com, at StaceyOnTheRight on Twitter and Instagram. And thank you so much for being with us today here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. You know, uh, and, and also live streaming to America's Voice, uh, America's Voice TV. 
Um, so how can I say this? I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Look, I, I'll, I'll tell you like I've told our son many times before. Uh, we have these kind of frank chats and it's good because I, I feel like um, and I, I'll only know when, you know, 10 years from now, if if these chats have had a, a, an, a real impact on him in his behavior, not just on what he believes or what he says he believes or what he tells me in response to me talking to him, but the way he acts, the way he behaves. If you're having sex, you're saying you want to have a baby. That's first of all. And if you're a man and you are under any any kind of uh, misapprehension that in America today you have any rights over a child, you have the right to pay for that child after the child is born. You have the right to lose your driver's license and have your wages garnished for a child that maybe you didn't want. You say you didn't want it, but you had sex. Uh, you have that right. Women have the control in America today over what happens with babies before they're born. Afterwards, I mean, there's a burgeoning men's rights movement. There are a lot of men out there who've successfully sued for custody of their children and gotten it. Uh, there, there are a lot of men out there who are paying child support, but they're paying a significantly reduced amount because they, you know, have negotiated settlements where they have their child 50% of the time. And that can happen. But the optimal situation is just keep it in your pants unless you want a baby. And when I say unless you want a baby, because most often it's the men who don't want a baby where the woman wants one and they have it. And it's the men who want a baby who are paired up with these chicks who they're just abortion minded and they're going to go kill that baby and go on about their business. Okay. You don't have any rights. Now, had he taken the extraordinary step of marrying this girl before they decided to show their love for each other in a physical way, then it would be much less likely that she would be, you know, inclined to have an abortion. And even if she wanted to, at that point, he would have had some legal recourse. At least he could have tried. He could have tried to do something at, at, instead of at this point where they're just they're just two people who choose to have physical relations with each other. And so just like I say to him, and I've said it to teen groups, uh, I've been invited to speak to teen groups in, in the St. Louis metro area. When I do, I, I start off by saying, you know, parents in the audience and teenagers, everybody in here, y'all need to know I wasn't asked out here to speak to you because I like to mince words or I'm afraid of using the anatomically correct names of body parts or that I'm here to make you feel good. I'm here to tell you what God's word says about sexual relations, and I'm here to tell you the truth about what you should and shouldn't be doing with your body from the perspective of someone who's been married for over 20 years and has three kids of my own and someone who absolutely wishes I hadn't made some of the choices that I made before I was married. Once God's word gets into you and you know the truth, you're supposed to share it. You're supposed to tell other people. When you have some wisdom, godly wisdom, and you have sought the scriptures and found out, yep, this, this, is, this is God's plan for marriage. This is God's plan for human sexuality. Then it's your job to tell other people about it. And I'm not shy about saying it. Sex is for people who want to have kids. It's supposed to happen within the bounds of marriage between one man and one woman and God. And if you decide to have sex outside of marriage, you're saying you want to have a child and pay child support to some woman who's now dating somebody else and making babies with somebody else. You're saying I'm interested in wanting this baby and seeing the woman that I quote unquote love take it to Planned Parenthood and let them kill it for her. You're saying all of these other negative consequences are something you want to roll the dice. You want to gamble with your future and take a chance instead of just saying, you know what? My physical body wants to be with this woman and she looks like someone I want to marry. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to seal the deal. I'm going to marry her. All these five year engagements and two year engagements. And we got to finish college before we get married. No, you don't. 
I know a couple that lives right here in St. Louis. They started dating in high school. And when he went away to college, he was a year ahead of her. He came back. And when she graduated, she was accepted to college. And she chose to go to the same one that he went to. And they sat and they talked about their lives. They've shared this testimony before. It's, it's the, one of the most amazing presentations I've ever seen by a husband and wife. And she said they were sitting and they were talking about the way they felt about each other and how difficult it would be to be in college and living in separate dorms. And then they started looking at what they really wanted to do. And he said, do you want, do you want to spend the rest of your life with me? Because I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And she said, yes, I do. But I also want to get my education. And so he said he went into his prayer closet and he started talking to the adults in his life that were his mentors, godly mentors. And they said, don't go into sin with her physically, just marry her. You already want to marry her. She wants to marry you, marry her. And instead of living in the dorm, get an apartment and right, right close to the campus and y'all go to college and finish and get your educations. And that's exactly what they did. They did their undergrad, married, didn't have any kids, just married, living in an apartment near campus. He finished in three years because he said he was so desperate to get that undergraduate degree under his belt. He wanted to finish as fast as he could. So he finished his undergraduate degree in three years and then immediately went on to get his uh, his Ph.D. And, and he's a he's a, a high school administrator, a, a, pr a principal. And she went on to get her Ph.D. after they had their their daughter. But after she got done with her undergrad. And they both finished early because they said once they were married and living in their apartment and going to school, it, it became, you know, they went over the summer. They didn't take summer off and go home and stay with their parents and work some little minimum wage job. They just kept going all the way through so they could get done as fast as they could. What I'm saying to you is that there's no boundary when you love someone and you want to get married and that person wants to marry you. You've graduated from high school. Go ahead and get married. So that you are now, your physical union is consecrated to God and you have to walk in that blessing. Don't stop, stop letting America's culture tell you what you can and can't do when you want to get married, which is something that God has for you. If you know you want to marry that person and they want to marry you, you can go to college and finish. Set your mind on what it is that you want to do. But this idea that you're going to date long distance and he's going to be on this campus and you're going to be on that campus over there and you're going to date and you're going to do, you know, there are a few people who've done it. I know a few people who've done that, but they're, they're not the norm. Normally, the relationship breaks up over the long distance. And the other thing is that college campuses are not set up for long distance dating. Everybody there is it's just hookup culture. The men just share the women when the, when the ratios are low. There's more men on campus than the, the women. They just share them. And... and it's known and accepted that it just everybody's having sex with everybody else. That's why they stopped having the dorm separate men and women. Everybody was sleeping over anyway. And the college administrators like, just make them co-ed. And so they did. It's, it, that's been going on for years, just decades. And, and so if you don't want to be in the same situation that this guy's in, where this girl, that he was having these intimate relationship with these relations, she goes and she aborts this baby and he's got nothing he can do. Now he's suing. And I, I do. I wish him the best w uh, you know, outcome with that lawsuit. But the fact is, there's just decades of case law and Roe v. Wade itself, which gives the control over the baby to the woman because it's in her body that don't support a lawsuit of this kind. Now, he could prevail. And I hope he does. But the issue here, it's it. 
He went wrong before she had the abortion. She was wrong. But they were wrong before that for having their just girlfriend and boyfriend and they're just having sex and doing the do and, and just enjoying themselves. And then the baby comes into the picture. What did they expect? That they were going to have marbles? What did they think was going to happen if they kept on having intimate relations that one of them was going to all of a sudden have an orange in their stomach? No, they're doing all of the things needed to do to make a baby. And then everybody's surprised when they make one. And then he obviously didn't know her very well. He was surprised when she decided to have an abortion. You know, if you're a guy, again, something I tell my son, you know, it's not like I'm preaching at him. We have these conversations. They're in appropriate times, but they happen. I've told him many times, if, if you decide to go with someone based on their outward appearance because someone is hot or they have the physical attribute that you think is the most attractive, but on the inside, that person is someone who believes that feminism is a thing and that men need to be subjugated to women and that all men are a part of the patriarchy and are oppressing women or some woman who believes that liberals have the best ideas politically or, you know, first uh, utmost importance, a person who's not a Christian, then don't be surprised when that person begins to behave, regardless of whether or not the two of you love each other and you have all these intimate relations and stuff. Don't be surprised when that person starts to disappoint you in those areas because they don't believe the things that you believe. And I have to question whether or not you really believe them if you want to be that closely associated with someone who believes the opposite of what you've been taught all these years in our home. Choose wisely. This person that you pick will be the mother of your child. If you're not married, she'll always be the mother of your child. That will always be your child and you will be connected to this person for the rest of your life. Is that what you want? To be connected to someone who has these wrong-headed ideas and would even consider aborting your child? It, you know, think about it. Do you, yeah, beauty is, is fantastic. Being physically attracted to someone is wonderful. You want to be with someone that you have, you know, beauty in, in, in that person is something that's in your heart. But is beauty the most important at attribute or is it that this person believes the same things that you believe, that they truly love and honor God? You find someone who's gorgeous when those looks start fading and, you know, this put on a couple pounds and y'all have some kids and she starts talking about Buddhism or Scientology or some strange astral crystal religion where you burn incense and rub crystals on your body. Then what are you going to do? say, no, I don't, I don't believe in that. I'm a Christian. And she's, and she, what's she going to say? Oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. Anybody who doesn't know you're a Christian. I mean, what, what's going on here? So these are the kind of things that if you say them to people, like you shouldn't have been having sex, that's why you have all these problems. You're having sex outside of marriage. Well, that's just puritanism. That's just, you're just, you're being intolerant. I'm not, I'm just commenting on what it is that you're living right now. And the commentary is meant to be a warning to those others who might be observing your behavior and thinking, yeah, it's okay. It's cool for him to do. It's cool for me too. It's not cool for you. When you sin in your body, you sin against the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, the implications are lifelong. It's not just the venereal diseases that, you know, they're, they're not all cured with a pill. Some of them, the ramifications stay with you for the rest of your adult life. It's not just that. It's the emotional harm and turmoil. And it is the probability that if you are having sex outside of marriage, you are going to be tied to some nincompoop, some person who you honestly, you'll be thinking 10 years ahead. I have a child with this person. You'll literally be laying up at night thinking, I can't believe I have a child with this person. This person is influencing my child in these ways, and I can't stop it because my child has to spend 50% of his or her time 
with this person. So choose well. Choose based on more than just the physical appearance. Choose based on the goals that that person has and what they believe. And it's not just what they say, because there's, there's people out there who they'll tell you anything to get the relationship going. They'll tell you anything to get you. And then they'll tell a little bit to keep you. And then once they've got you, well, they've got you. Once they've had a few kids with you, they're like, okay, you know, now I can let you see the real freak show that you got yourself involved in. Find out what they believe. And if they believe it, are they living it? If, they, if you're not living it, you don't really believe it. And above all of this, when you're going into this and you're thinking this is a permanent lifelong relationship that I want to engage in, I want to be with this person for the rest of my life, you have to remember that if you're not praying about it and if that person is not willing to join together with you and make that bond with God, you can't expect success in that. So these lifelong decisions, it sounds so crazy because you make the decision about marriage. Most of us make it when we are it, you know, we're, we're very not, we're not developed. We're, we're immature. And that's just the way it works. You know, you, you meet someone when you're younger, you marry them, and then you make your life together and you make that commitment that you're going to stay together forever. And you're going to do it in front of God. And he's going to enable you to do that. And he's going to grow the two of you up together. And he's going to strengthen that bond. He's going to create a tri-fold bond that cannot be broken but if you're going to join together with someone who is as strong as a piece of paper and you're as strong as steel, what do you expect? Paper is going to break. It's going to melt under pressure, under water. You can be set on fire, but steel cannot. Don't go having sex with some stranger and expect good results from that. That's the show for today. God bless you. Have a fantastic evening. I'll see you tomorrow right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.